Well, I want to start off this morning by giving you two different images, two different pictures. The first picture comes from King David, Psalm 131. In that psalm, he says, I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child is my soul within me. It's a picture of a person who is at rest in the presence of God. It's a picture of a person with an intimate connection to his heavenly father. That picture of David is a picture of uh, someone who is completely at peace in the presence of his heavenly father. A nursing child goes to their mother because they need something. They need food. But a weaned child goes to their mother simply because they love their mother. David is a man who has spent so much time in the presence of God that he is content simply existing in his presence. And like a mother and a child, they are delighting in each other. That's the first picture. Here's the second picture. This person says, I'll think about my soul eventually. I know it matters, but right now I can't. This person rushes around with too much to do, not enough time to do it. They're always on the go, even when they're being still, even when they're stopped. Their mind is a flurry of information. They're always preoccupied, always distracted, always somewhere else. This person is anxious and hurried and full of fear about their future. This person is unaware of what's going on in their heart. They're unaware of their emotions. They're ignoring their physical health. This person is jealous and threatened when other people around them succeed. They're never content with what they have. This person may have a quiet time. Maybe here and there they spend some time with the Lord. They try to pray, but they cannot remember the last time they felt a deep sense of connection with God. Two pictures. Now, honestly, I want you to take a second and assess your own life. Compare yourself to those two examples. Which one is closer to you? Well, my longing for all of us this morning is that someday, and hopefully someday not too far from now, we could say, I'm like David. We could become men and women who experience deep, loving connection with our God on a daily basis. Our passage this morning uh, speaks to that reality. If we could, I need the screen. How do we get that going? Can somebody turn that back on for me? Thanks. Uh, It's John chapter 15. And it's verses 4 through 9. This is Jesus speaking, and here's what he says. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. 
For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. This morning I want to talk about the crisis of the dead and disconnected in the church. And I want us to examine Christ's invitation to abide in him. So as we look at this passage this morning, I want you to see that your pace of life comes at a cost. And that you need to slow down and connect with Jesus. And that you are able to do it. So your pace of life, it comes at a cost. A lot of you already know that you are too busy. It's probably the most common thing I hear as a pastor. It's the most common complaint. I've got too much going on. I'm completely booked. I'm stressed out. I'm too tired. And look, it's September, right? Things aren't getting any easier. Things are just getting started. And there's plenty of reasons why we feel this way. One reason is the city we live in. Boston's a tough place. The pace here is kind of out of control. I know a lot of you have come to this city from elsewhere, and you've come to be a part of these rigorous and competitive programs, or maybe you have a demanding and intense job. I know there's people here who have multiple jobs that they're trying to juggle just to make ends meet and try to pay the rent. Some of us, we're trying to figure out how to raise a family. How to manage childcare and school and uh, parenting and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's a challenge just to find time to get groceries, right? So we don't eat macaroni and cheese every night. Part of it's the city. Part of it's the age that we live in. Part of it is this technological time we're in where amidst all that other busyness we've got going on, we have these devices in our pockets and in our faces that are constantly buzzing and lighting up and telling us there's emails to respond to and messages to receive and phone calls to answer. And then when we do have a moment to sit still, there's that siren call of social media and Netflix and YouTube that says, come look at me. I'll take away your pain. I'll distract you from all this heavy, burdensome stuff that's going on. And all the while, our attention span, our ability to be silent, is under assault. Part of it's our city. Part of it's the technology around us. And part of it, let's be honest, part of it's the church. In such a busy world, the church is often part of the problem and not part of the solution. Rather than the church being a spiritual refuge, a place where we can build a community around slowing down to encounter the living God, the church, just like everything else, becomes a list of events, obligations, and activities. There's 
opportunities to volunteer. There's meetings to attend. There's ministries to lead or serve. There's causes to engage with. Exhibit A is us, our church. Every fall, the first weekend after Labor Day, for as long as we've existed, this weekend has been called the fall kickoff. Maybe except for this one. We didn't make much of a deal of it this time. But on the fall kickoff, it's the week we, we, un, uh, we reveal our big plans, all the events that we're going to have, all the things we want to do, what we want to accomplish in the next semester. And I will not forget my experience of this last year as we tried to uh, present some different activities. So many people came up to me just to say, I'm already worn out. I don't have, I don't have space for this. The church has become a place that adds to our burden instead of leading us to a savior whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light. So we've got our city, we've got the technology, we've got our church, and then we add on top of that the flesh, our daily battle with our own selves, our enemy who wants nothing more than to keep us from being intimate with Christ all day long. It's no wonder that our lives are a mess. But the message I want you to hear this morning is that you cannot keep up this pace forever. Your lack of connection with Jesus comes at a great cost. You and I were made for intimate personal connection with the living God. Not only knowledge of God, right? We're not just made to know about God. We're not just made to serve God and do things for God, but we were made for a deep, soul-satisfying enjoyment of God. It's the first question of the Westminster Catechism, what's the chief end of man? What's our purpose on earth? What are we doing here? And it says, the reason why we're here is because we are supposed to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's what we're for. Pete Scazzaro, he's a pastor in Queens, he, he says, we are made for loving union with God. If you'll flip to this next slide. He says that loving union, it's not serving Jesus. It's not just having good theology about Jesus, but it is allowing Jesus and his will to have full access in your life. It's living in a posture of attentiveness, openness, and surrender to him. I'll read that again. Loving union is allowing Jesus and his will to have full access in your life. Living in a posture of attentiveness, openness, and surrender. We were made for this. We were made for loving union with God. We were made to enjoy God. And if we were made for it, if that's our purpose for existing, then that means all of our busyness, all of our hurry, it's not a small matter. It's a big deal. Jesus has serious warnings for people who do for him and don't know how to be with him. 
Do you remember Matthew chapter 7? I've got it up here too. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? and cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. In our own passage, this John chapter 15, Jesus says, if anyone doesn't abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. So this means at best, at best, our lack of a slowed down, loving union with God is robbing us of the abundance God has for us. But at worst, it could mean something much worse about our hearts. It could be a sign that deep down there is unbelief. We have to admit that the pace that we are living looks no different from the rest of the world, right? We at least have to admit that. We look just like everyone else. Even though we're in the church, we are still just busy 21st century people. We, we sprinkle some Bible on top every now and then. We go to church once a week. I mean, once a month, let's be honest. Just enough. We go so we don't feel bad. We do things for God. But we don't know how to be with God. Is it any wonder your life feels so out of joint? Your pace comes at a great cost. So how do you respond? Well, it sounds kind of simple, but you need to slow down and connect with Jesus. You need to slow down. I want to be clear. What I am inviting you into this morning is not another to-do list. I do not want to add to your burden. But I'm inviting you into a new way of approaching your life. I'm inviting you into a new way of viewing the world. I'm inviting you to realize that as Christians, we abide in Christ. We exist in God's universe, not the other way around. I'm inviting you to an awareness of the fact of, of our reality. Jesus said, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. You hear that last part? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is trying to tell us that all of our doing 
in life is supposed to flow out of our being with him. All of our doing in life is supposed to flow out of our being with him. That is the essence of Christian growth. That is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I'll never forget, uh, not too long ago, I got this, uh, we went to attend this uh, training on discipleship. And I brought a group of people, some of you in this room came and participated in this. It came to us with, with uh, a lot of acclaim. People said, this is going to be great for your church. And we went there, and they laid out this plan for discipleship, and it was basically four square blocks. And the first one was, I do, and you watch. And then there was an arrow to another box, and it says, we do together. And then there was an arrow to a box below, and it says, you do, and I watch. And then the final box says, you do. And the arrow goes out. And they told us this, they showed us this model, and they said, this is what Christian discipleship is. That's not what Christian discipleship is. That is not what Jesus did. What Jesus did was not about doing it all. He said to his disciples, come follow me. Come be with me for a while. Mature disciples need to be with Jesus. And abiding in Jesus, that requires daily, not just daily, but multiple times a day, slowing down to connect and commune with the living God. To build a conscious awareness of his presence in your day as you are moving through your schedule. When I left for my sabbatical, which just ended a few weeks ago, I left in May, and, and when I went on the sabbatical, I was determined to spend time with God. My life had gotten really out of whack. Those two pictures that I gave at the beginning, one was David, the other, that was, that was me. Maybe it was you as well, but it was definitely me. The thing I needed was not a quiet time. I had quiet times. I, I prayed, but I was never able to go to God as a weaned child. I was never able to sit in his presence. Whenever I came to him, I came ravenously hungry. I came always desperate, always needing to get something from him. And I wondered why I felt so dry and so disconnected and so burnt out and worn out all the time. And the thing that made the difference for me was not that I went and I found some mountaintop and I prayed on top of it for three months. I didn't read all of, of scripture in, in one sitting. What has begun to make a difference in my life? What has begun to, to transform my heart and my soul is allowing myself to experience this slowed down spirituality. Learning to slow down in the midst of a busy life. Look, my life is still busy. We got four kids. We just got a dog. We got two full-time jobs. We, we're, we have a lot going on in our home, and yet 
I can tell you that what has made a difference in my life is learning to take scripture seriously when it talks about solitude and silence before God. Habakkuk chapter 2 is an Old Testament minor prophet, and the prophet speaks about idolatry. He says, what prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in his own creation when he makes speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake, to a silent stone, arise. Can this teach? Habakkuk is telling us that these idols cannot teach you. It's foolish to to bow down before them. It's foolish because there's there's nothing that they have to offer. And then he's going to go on and talk about the living God and how he teaches. But it's interesting because what he's going to say, he doesn't tell you, here's the events to attend, here's the activities you should partake in. But let's go to verse 20. He says, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent for him. Psalm 46. Be still and know that I am God. Silence is the first place where we begin to encounter the living God. Do you remember 1 Kings chapter 16, the story of Elijah? He goes to the mountaintop so that he can meet God. And when he gets to the top of this mountain, it says there's this enormous wind, a wind so powerful that it's literally ripping the rocks off the side of the mountain. And there's an earthquake. And there's a fire. And after each one of them, Scripture says, but God wasn't in them. He wasn't in the wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But then at the very end, there is a thin Silence. And God is there. Isaiah, warning the people of Israel, God says, in returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. The very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, we are told that Jesus himself got up in the morning early and went to a desolate place to pray so he could connect with God. Now, if Jesus, who has been one with God the Father since eternity, needs to get some time to be away and be silent to connect in loving union with God, then you definitely do. If Jesus needs to do it, you definitely need to do it. My point in all this is none of us are going to encounter God by accident. None of us are going to experience his presence in our lives just by going about our days. There's too much against us. We are constantly under assault by our pace of life, by the things around us, and we need to fight back. Not by changing our habits, but by changing the way we live in the world. We need to break free from that drumbeat of the world around us. We need to learn 
how not only to believe in Jesus, but to follow him as we're living our lives. To daily abide. To abide in him. So how do we do that? It's an appropriate question. Well, it takes effort. That's all. I, I, I want to make sure you hear me say that. It takes effort. I wish I could tell you that, that it would be really easy. But let's face the facts. If, if your body is out of shape, nobody thinks that just by waking up and doing a few sit-ups one morning, you'll have a six-pack the next day, right? Well, if your soul is out of shape, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take the discipline of, of learning some new way, new skills. A new worldview doesn't just happen overnight. It is extremely hard. It's hard to be silent. I mean, come on, most of us, we can't go to the bathroom without being on some kind of a device. So it, it stands to reason that sitting in silence before the living God will be a bit jarring. Charles Spurgeon, he says, it may seem like an easy thing to wait, but it is one of the postures that a Christian soldier cannot learn without years of teaching. Marching and quick marching are much easier for God's warriors than standing still. So here's what I'm suggesting. In very practical terms, here's what I'm suggesting. I'm suggesting that you begin immediately interrupting the pace of your day with regular moments of silence before God. And I recognize that's like not the most eloquent point to make. Uh, there's not some big reveal. There wasn't some amazing, mysterious secret to life that I, I have shown you. But I don't have time to figure out a better way to say it. Because I look out here, and I see people drowning in a sea of their own busyness. In their own independence from God. And he's holding out a life raft. You just got to learn how to grab onto it. You need to learn how to commune with your God. A quiet time isn't going to do it. A hurried devotional is not going to strengthen you for the day-long assault that comes from the world, the flesh, and the devil. You're going to have to build some margin in your life. Some space where you can regularly pause and surrender to God throughout the day. You need to slow down and connect with Jesus. And you're able to. You're able to do it. You can do this. Trust me. If I can do it, you can do it. I'm like uh, the dog from Up. Do you remember that? He's like, squirrel! That's me. When I was a kid, my dad, he would kneel down and he would clap his hands in front of my face before telling me to do something. 
Are you paying attention? I need you to take out the trash. I'm not a contemplative by nature. I'm telling you that so that you can know there's not some secret power, some hidden ability that you lack. I'm a doer, just like you are. I planted two churches by the time I was 30 years old. But I can tell you the cost of all that doing without being was tremendous. All that time, I had no idea what was going on in my heart. I had no ability to process the difficulties and the hardships in my life and bring them before the Lord. I had no idea what my emotions were. I had no idea I had any emotions. My soul thirsted for the Lord, but I did not know how to drink. I didn't know how to abide. And learning to slow down has started to change that for me. Learning how to connect with God throughout the day has made a, such a significant difference that I'm spending this sermon telling you about it. Silence, scripture, and prayer at regular intervals throughout the day. Now, I don't have uh, some specific regiment that I'm going to send you home with. I'm not giving you a schedule that I want you to keep. The truth is, it, it's going to have to look different for everybody how this exactly happens. But, but I can tell you what's been helpful for me. And maybe it'll be a good place for you to start. But I've gotten in the habit of waking up early and spending time silently before God. Maybe an extended period of time, 10, 20 minutes, reading a small portion of scripture to help shape some of my thoughts. And then in the afternoon, stopping again. And it doesn't have to be a long time. You could be headed into a meeting and while you're standing outside the door, just take a deep breath, set your watch for two minutes, put a timer on your phone and say, I'm going to take these two minutes and I'm going to make myself aware of reality. If you're an outdoors person, walk outside. Take a deep breath. Look at the leaves and remember God's mercy for you. Just do something in the middle of the day. Just try to make yourself aware of what you're doing, how you're living, what's going on in your work, what's going on in your, your parenting or your rest. And in that moment, whether it's two minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, remember the Lord is in his holy temple and you are standing silently before him. And then what I also do is in the evening, I try to take another 10 minutes and look back at my day. There's an ancient prayer practice called the examine. I think I have like a, a, a slide about it. Google it. Look up the steps. Um, it's been helpful to me because I realize that I go through my day and I just don't give it much thought after the fact. But it gives me a, a second to become aware of God's presence, to review my day, and then to pay attention to where God was in my day. Where did I see him working? Where did I ignore him? And pay attention to what I was feeling. Offer that stuff up to the Lord. And then it, says, it recommends you choose one specific thing, one thing that's really burdening you, and, and bring that before the Lord. That might be an opportunity to confess some sin. It might be an opportunity to ask, why am I feeling so anxious today? 
And then in the end, you close by looking forward to tomorrow. Now, it may seem like I've done exactly what I said I didn't want to do, give you a list of things to do. It may seem like I've spent the first sermon of the fall adding stuff to your to-do list. But I want to say it one last time. It's not the point. I'm asking you to respond to Jesus' call to live differently in the world. Here's the fact. Our church culture here in this room is a worn-out culture. We're not bearing much fruit right now. And I'm not talking about our attendance numbers. I'm not talking about our programs. I'm talking about our souls. We're worn out. Let's be honest. We cannot expect the culture in our church to change unless we are changed. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Whoever abides in me and I in her, she it is that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I'm not telling you what to do. Jesus is inviting you to abide. The living God wants you to be with him. I mean, that is the point of the gospel, right? He took on flesh and dwelt among us to prove it. On the cross, he paid for each and every one of your sins with his blood to prove it. He made it possible so that anyone who places their faith in Christ can come to the Lord without fear. In full access, he gave his righteous record to you. And that means that there is nothing that you can do for God. There is nothing that you can bring to God that's going to make him love you more. There's no practice that's going to make him more pleased with you. There's no service you can offer. But you were made to enjoy him. You were made to sit silently before him. You were made to have life in him and have it abundantly. And your pace of life is robbing you of that. So September's here. Things are just getting started. Things are just about to pick up. I know for some of us, it's about to get rough if it hasn't already. There's not much we can do about the details. But we can change our approach. We can change the way we view the world. So that's the question. Are we going to do it like we've always done it every other year? Just like everyone else in the world does it? Are we going to grind it out and hope that we don't lose our friendships or our marriages or our health or our faith? Or are we going to make space to hear from the Lord? Are we going to experience the joy of David whose soul was like a weaned child in the presence of God? You've probably already guessed, but 
I want to close this sermon by giving us a few moments to do that. I want to close this sermon by giving us some time to sit silently before the Lord. I'm going to do a couple of minutes, two minutes. It might feel long. Um, That's okay. And while we're doing that, I want you to ask yourself the question, what is the state of my soul? If I'm being honest with myself, am I abiding? Am I bearing fruit? Is my heart whole and healthy and dependent on the Lord, or am I running out of steam? And no matter what the answer to your question is, wherever you find your heart this morning, offer it to the Lord, because that's the only heart you have. And I want you to experience His presence. I want you to delight in Him. So let's, let's do that right now. Let's go before the Lord in silence. The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Father, we thank you for this word of promise. Thank you that you love us not for what we do, but for what you've done. And forgive us for neglecting that love for so long. Teach us to be different from the world. Allow us to be with you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.